0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brain Curiosities podcast, the first one in 2024. We are here today with Sofia Pinto, that is a researcher on ADHD and nutrition. So hi, Sofia. and Can you tell us uh, more about yourself, about your lab, and about your research?
1: Well, hello, and thank you for inviting me, Ludovico. It's with a great pleasure that I'm here talking to you. as you as you said, uh, I I am a Portuguese nutritionist um, with a master's in pediatric nutrition, so I mainly work with children. And since my master's, I've been focusing on the associations about nutrition and ADHD. Uh, and currently, uh, I've enrolled in a PhD where uh, I I'm still studying this association and trying to explore. Uh, where can nutrition uh, help people with ADHD and how can we we, we better um, treat these people and these symptoms. And my main area of interest is the Get Brain Access in the context of ADHD. And uh, uh, my team and we have uh, an ongoing project called the M2Child Project, which uh, is in Porto University at the Faculty of Medicine. And we are recruiting children, many children uh, with ADHD. But uh, we have a multidisciplinary team that is wonderful and that is studying all these different aspects of ADHD, not, not just nutrition. This is my interest and that's why you, I think you invited me.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. because you you wrote a uh, a review. It was a very interesting review on the food intervention, okay. specifically on people with ADHD, uh, correlated mostly with ADHD symptoms and their severity. <clears throat> yeah. So in 2022. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it it was really interesting to read. And uh, so one of my first of my questions first for you, and that, that I had completely yeah. forgotten to give you in advance. But it's basically, how does nutrition impact people in general? And why do you think it can impact specifically people with ADHD, you know, maybe more or less than others? Um,
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Because uh, we still, we we have a bidirectional association between nutrition and the ADHD. And now uh, we are going to start with the impact of nutrition in ADHD. And what we do know is that there are specific nutrients that can affect cognitive function and the brain function and, and the neurodevelopmental stage in children. But there's no specific nutrients that can really impact or uh, I, I'm going to use, use the word cause ADHD. And that's really important uh, to to note that Nutrition cannot cause ADHD. This is is a multifactorial um, condition, and there's not one factor causing ADHD. There's so many factors, and I think it's important that people do not believe that uh, nutrition or just one supplement can cure ADHD. There's we have a whole um, dietary pattern that should be healthy, and we should promote a healthy eating pattern and a better health in general but nutrition and cannot really cure ADHD and we cannot specifically associate one nutrient with ADHD.
0: Yeah so in in your review uh, you mentioned that Uh, ADHD symptoms decreased when there was an intervention specifically with magnesium and vitamin D, but only in cases where people had deficits in those nutrients and not when they didn't. So can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Those specific studies have shown that where uh, there was a baseline deficit in those specific nutrients, mainly magnesium and vitamin D, there was an improvement in ADHD symptoms. Uh, however, uh, I, I think it's important to have a critical view about these studies because if there was a, a deficit at the baseline, the improvements seen with the supplementation cannot cannot be attributed to that supplement, but to to mitigate that the deficit that that there was at the beginning, and so. What I do recommend is that people get tests and to see if there was, if there, they have deficits and then to use supplements, but not to supplement if we don't know the baseline levels.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and this, uh. uh... So a lot of people with ADHD notice that with um, more magnesium and more vitamin D uh, generally their symptoms, they improve or also they manage to better manage their symptoms. But this is also because there is definitely a correlation between ADHD and uh, vitamin D and magnesium deficits as well. Um, Right. If I'm not. Uh,
1: There's not mechanistic studies showing uh, an interaction between vitamin D and ADHD. But uh, the prevalence, the prevalence of deficits of these of those two nutrients is um, so so great that most people do have those deficits, not not just ADHD people. Okay, uh, so there's not uh, studies showing that showing as what vitamin D can specifically do in ADHD and also in magnesium. But we do see uh, an improvement uh, in better ADHD management.
0: Yeah, because if most people have these deficits and, you know, vitamin D being a precursor of serotonin decreases, uh, you know, depressive symptoms and so on, then ADHD, of course, becomes more manageable. And if many people have these kind of deficits, then, of course, when people take these supplements, it's going to get better because as a baseline, then everyone... (laughs) Yeah that's, yeah that's that's um that's, uh, that's, very, that's very interesting, interesting, interesting because, because yeah there yeah, was a lot of people that reported that with uh, magnesium and vitamin D supplements their symptoms got better but that now makes a lot a lot of sense.
1: Uh, you know uh, I just wanted to say that in in nutritional uh, in nutrition and in with supplements there's a lot of placebo effects and people note a difference and note uh, an improvement but we can there's no clinical trials that really say that supplement with these nutrients and you improve, and th- that that improvement is uh, is objective and not when when a people notice the difference is um, a bit subjective and may have that placebo effect.
0: So, are are there some studies that have tested this in ADHD or even in uh, uh, you know in non ADHD people? Uh, for example supplementations of L-tyrosine tryptophan uh, magnesium vitamin D and whatever against placebo so in in control trials
1: yeah we do have some studies uh, randomized control trials um, with vitamin D but what those trials do is mega doses with vitamin D and so not uh, a recommended dose of vitamin D and also magnesium but mainly in vitamin D which when when you read those papers, the doses that they supplement are are above the recommended um, levels, and so uh, that poses um, a bit of a limitation—not not a limitation, but a concern because we don't know the toxicity levels of mega doses of vitamin D uh, long term. Yeah. So. I don't think that megadoses of these nutrients can, uh, or should be done, uh, or should be recommended, um long term and on a clinical practice. What I sh- uh, what I do believe is that we should, uh, measure those, those nutrients, um, uh, in the blood, for example, and then supplement if there's a deficit and supplement with, um, lower, do- lower, uh, doses and, Across time, not just because also those clinical trials are really uh, short term. They they do need the results in a in a in short term. They do not assess long term uh, these effects on ADHD. And so, mm. it's not people, longitudinal
0: studies. Yeah,
1: it's not. It's not. It's just um, I don't know for sure the weeks that they've tested, but it's ten. 15 weeks of supplementing and so um, i i do not i do not recommend using those mega doses uh, without knowing your baseline levels
0: yeah definitely then there's uh you know other supplements that are going around right now Uh, for example lion's mane that has been shown to increase the bdnf factor of uh, neural growth Uh, l-tyrosine that is a precursor of dopamine so it's thought that it if you the have the more alerting, you have more dopamine, and that makes it easier for ADHD. What are your what thoughts are your about thoughts those? About
1: yeah. Uh, but what I do know is that there's a there's a deficit in these, uh, in these specific neurotransmitters like uh, tryptophan, and that's uh, that it's not neurotransmitters. They are uh, percus- amino acids. Yeah, they are precursors of um, uh, neurotransmitters, and so. Supplementing them or using uh, foods that are uh, rich richer in those, yeah. in those amino acids can be helpful. Uh, for example, foods that are rich in tryptophan can be help can, uh, seem to be helpful in 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 ADHD. But it's also the same uh, line of thought that I have talked to about nutrients. If if there's There's a baseline deficiency in these amino acids, and that was shown in ADHD. Maybe I I will start by saying that we should start by foods and then supplements and not the the other way around. Maybe we we should uh, improve our diet and maybe uh, seek these foods that are rich in in amino acids. Uh, For example, one, one, one interesting food is is our eggs, that yeah. are rich yeah. in also choline. That has its mm. amino acid that has been uh, studied in in the context of ADHD, and appears to be um, decreased in in ADHD. And so, start with these foods. Start with improving your diets in general, and then maybe sub. What the main problem is that when we when we consume these these foods that are rich in these in those amino acids, we cannot be sure that they are being converted in neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, when when I, I talk about uh, increasing these foods, is within uh, a whole diet and not just saying that increasing uh, the intake of choline or uh, tryptophan or tyrosine will increase these the, the neurotransmitters level. And I'm not aware that there are uh, different levels of uh, requirements for ADHD and non-ADHD people. And so maybe that should be studied, but I'm not aware of, of these, uh, these studies showing that there should be different baseline levels.
0: Now, what what do you think? I mean, do you think that there might be, uh, you know, a difference because of the um, intake of these of these nutrients The you know, the rate of absorption, of course, uh, but also the rate of modification, the rate of uh, expulsion and so on might differ in people with ADHD that have been known to have metabolic issues as well? Uh, yeah. So can that can that be difference? Because maybe you have more in your bloodstream, but... It's not what is being modified into the uh-huh. the, the right neurotransmitters, or uh, it's not being used as it's supposed to.
1: Yeah, my main concern is that uh, increasing uh, protein or amino acid rich foods can also have another other metabolic uh, impacts, and so I do think that we should be careful with with the. These, these associations because we can increase our our intake but we are not sure if they are they are really turning into neurotransmitters and we cannot uh, in a clinical uh, in a clinical setting we cannot measure neurotransmitters and we cannot be sure if they are they are turning amino acids in those neurotransmitters
0: yeah yeah. That's that's the very complicated part.
1: Yeah, maybe in a in a more research environment, we can explore that. Uh, I I'm I do not know if there's any studies uh, studying this increase in in amino acids in intake and neur- neurotransmitters levels. I do not know if there there are any studies about this, but it it can be interesting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we should we should probably uh, look into it at some point. Um, all right, then I wanted to ask another question, uh, which is there is a lot of talk about even a lot of doctors that say that ADHD, you know, is caused by bad nutrition, that you just have to rebalance your gut-brain axis and your ADHD will magically go away. So I think that I already know the answer to that, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Um, what do you think about that?
1: Well, um of course i'm a nutritionist and i do believe that a good uh, diet and a good nutrition can have uh, an impact in general health and in particular in adhd and so i do believe that uh, a clinical uh, um, and in a clinical setting we should uh, give nutritional advice and also physical activity advice which is not my area but i do believe that these these two should be uh, integrated in the treatment, uh, in the management of ADHD. But of course, as I've said before, we cannot, um, we cannot state that nutrition can cause ADHD and the other way around, nutrition cannot cure ADHD. So uh, we do have to, to always prioritize uh, pharmacological treatment, psychological treatment, and nutrition can be a co-adjuvant of these treatments. And actually, um, I've, I've, I've read, um, the national Institute for health and care guidelines in, uh, specifically in in ADHD, and they do emphasize that nutrition and a better diet in general should be advised in ADHD, in the context of ADHD and the stepwise approach should be maybe in, in a, in a younger age, we should Start with those non uh, the severity or the symptoms are not are not improve, improving or being stabilized over time. Of course, I'm not saying just to use nutritional interventions at all. You should always uh, seek other professionals, and I think that professionals should should work as a team. Yeah, and that's I I, I think that's the wonderful thing about our project um so i i i'm really proud that i'm in a team of other professionals that are psychologists that are um um psychiatrists and we do think that nutrition has a part of it but not not to not believe that nutrition can cure or cause ADHD yeah. at
0: all so up to up to one point, would you say nutrition can impact ADHD or life with ADHD? Because um, having ADHD symptoms and managing ADHD symptoms is two very different things. So, to what extent do you think that nutrition can um, can create issues for people with ADHD or can solve those issues? On the other hand,
1: well, uh, what what the the studies have shown us is that. A healthy eating pattern, uh, for example, the Mediterranean diet, which has um, a protective effect on ADHD. There's this. This doesn't uh, necessarily means mean that this diet can protect again again against ADHD. This only means that there's an association and that we should promote those healthy eating patterns. On the other way. A a Western-like uh, pattern that's rich, that is rich in processed foods, in sugar, in all those red meats, It's it, it has a contrary effect on ADHD. It's incre- It's it's associated with an increased odds of ADHD. Right. And so, we have that, that balance that, of course, the people with ADHD will have some uh, particular aspects um, with we've read a lot about eating disorders in ADHD and so we also know that ADHD people might have some difficulties with attention demands that are that are required to sit through a meal and to eat a proper meal and to plan those meals and so the nutritional intake might have some might be compromised but I I think we should see the relationship between nutrition and ADHD as a whole eating pattern that can be protective or um, associated with an increased risk of ADHD. And so a more holistic view and not just nutrients that can specifically cause ADHD.
0: All right. Um, So I have several questions stemming out of that. Of course. Uh, The first one is you've talked about uh, processed food uh, food and sugars. So So what is the impact that has been observed with the sugar intake and processed foods in people with ADHD? What are the exact consequences that one can have after eating such foods?
1: Yeah, um, an interesting study about that is a case control study where where, where the authors showed that a pattern reaching processed and uh, sweet foods. It's it's associated with uh, uh, an increased odds of um, I have del- those data here. One point five uh, the odds of having ADHD. What we do know is that processed foods can increase an inflammatory response, and that inflammation can be associated with ADHD and with the whole uh, with the whole health in general. Mm-hmm. But that inflammation can also be associated with symptom severity and with uh, an improvement, or or the on the other way, with uh, an increase in symptoms. And so, processed foods, and and also when we when we see in that whole pattern, when we see specific uh, increase in red meats, in 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 processed red meats, in sugars, in fats, we can see that maybe the, the, the association with ADHD is through inflammation.
0: Okay, so reversing um, this pattern and this eating habits, for example, would also be a good intervention for people that, for example, yeah. I'm going to be talking about countries now, but for example, in the US, uh, the quality of food is not the same as in the Mediterranean. And also the accessibility to non-processed food is not the same. So a lot of people generally are eating a lot of processed food with a lot of sugar, with a lot of added sugar, even within the bread. That is something that does not exist in Europe. Uh, but so for a lot of people in the US that do have ADHD and that do have this type of nutrition reversing the nutrition back to maybe a more natural or mediterranean diet could help them with their adhd symptoms over time
1: yeah sure um there's an interesting study about that mediterranean diets associated with a with a protective effect in adhd and so when we advise people uh, with adhd we can start with those eating habits and to improve those eating habits to promote a, diet, a Mediterranean diet. And we know that a Mediterranean diet is rich in polyphenols, it's rich in good fats, omega-3s that that are also related to the, that inflammation that I've mm-hmm. talked previously. And so I, I, I think that it's a good way to, to help. With ADHD.
0: So, if someone has already a Mediterranean diet and has ADHD, there's basically no intervention that is possible at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, we can, within a Mediterranean diet, we can also improve. All right. For example, uh, increasing the the intake of fermented foods to increase so many different aspects. We can, I think, in each individual, we have to. Personalize that intervention and to see specific parts of the of the the whole diet. A big. Um,
0: it's very general.
1: It's, yeah, it's very general exactly, but then we can specifically target some 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 nutrients, some parts of the diet. For All example, right. the the fermented foods that can um, help with the gut microbiota. Yeah, and so. We have to assess individually.
0: Okay, and um, so the second part of this question is that you know we we, we talked about sugars and processed foods, uh, and I've heard a lot, especially in social media, people talking about sugar and how the you know the sugar high and the sugar crash can impact ADHD. So what what is the So
1: what we do know is that uh, ADHD is associated with some attentional deficits and some. Emotional dysregulation that can impact diet and can impact nutrition. And so when we have to sit through a meal and to eat a proper meal, sitting down and to enjoy it, maybe ADHD people will have some troubles there. And as you've said, to plan them, to to buy foods and to plan those meals can be an issue and can be a specific issue in ADHD.
0: Oh, yeah. Very
1: much we, so. Yeah, you do relate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, further, we do know that uh, there's a high comorbidity of ADHD and eating disorders, mainly in those addictive-like eating disorders. We know that there's a high comor- comorbidity of ADHD and anorexia of binge eating. And in children, there the, it has been described as a syndrome of loss of control, uh, overeating syndrome. And that's fairly interesting. And when we, when we think about those, what, what can be the mechanism? We know that ADHD is associated with emotional dysregulation, with, with a negative affectivity. And so those two mediators can be impacting the, the, the eating, um, pattern and, and can be associated with eating disorders.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because a, uh, people with ADHD have deficits also not, not only in the dopamine system but also in the norepinephrine one and the norepinephrine one also uh, controls the release of leptin yeah. that uh, controls satiety and, and these kind of feelings. It's also very hard for a lot of people with ADHD to feel hunger or to feel full and yeah. so you only relay and rely on how much pleasure you have out of it until you are so full that you cannot eat anymore yeah and so and there's we... also difficulty with uh, alexithymia and proprioception
1: yeah and and i would like to add that some of the medications used can have a suppressant an appetite suppressant effect Yes, and that can also impact. And so we have we we, we see a lot of um, differences um, in the appetites of, of during the day when we when the medication is completely on the appetite usually is, is decreased. And so, but we can uh, use that uh, variation of appetite during the day. So. I think that um using those those variations we can for example okay if you don't have the appetite you can eat less uh, in the uh, during the first part of the day and then when you have that appetite and that's um that's when you have that appetite you can uh, plan a better meal to have to sit and and uh, to sit and to enjoy that meal. So, the, of course, there's a variation of appetite, but we can adapt nutrition to those variations.
0: Okay, so uh, this was one of the questions that people on on Instagram asked about specifically, and uh, they said, "How how can you control for the uh, for the crash, let's say, in the evening? So how how can you manage your intake of food when you have an appetite suppressant medication during the day and then during the night suddenly you binge? So how to avoid the binge eating in the night? Okay.
1: Um, well, to avoid... The, I think at first I would like to say that those uh, binge-like um, effects on, on diet, it's it's very common, but what we can do is to have small meals throughout the day and not just um, sugar or uh, hydrocarbohydrates, carbohydrates. Uh, Rich uh, meals, but but we can use meals with uh, protein that are balanced meals with protein, carbohydrates, and also fats throughout the day. And not just to plan those. Uh, it can be really small meals, but those small meals are really important to avoid those those spikes uh, uh, at night
0: at the end of the night all right yeah because protein maybe it's it's more um takes more time to be digested and so it's um you feel fuller i mean honestly i have experienced the uh, you know the binging at night after the medication wears off and it's really you feel as if you're the most hungry person ever in the world because it's so just it's so difficult and even if you have eaten well during the day you still have this huge cravings at night it's really chemical it's you know as, as if when you smoke weed, <laughs> it's it's that kind of sensation of deep hunger, um, and so I I get that it might be very very difficult to you know control for that even with protein. I did notice that with protein it was a bit less. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely very good advice that you gave there. But it's you know it's still very much present. It's re- still very difficult, uh, at times, yeah. and. Uh, So the the second question that I have regarding this is that, you know, before you said that most interventions should be done via food rather than via supplements. However, when you're working with a population that has a hard time planning meals, that has a hard time even just remembering to eat or has a hard time with eating disorders in which, uh, you know, controlling for food might aggravate those eating disorders, how can you control nutrition in those cases? and isn't, you know, in those cases, supplements, outside supplements, a better way to go to have a balance of macro and micronutrients?
1: Okay. Uh, I do not think that supplements are a better way of nutrition. And, to, and they, they do have a space where people, uh, when we see that those deficits in specific nutrients are really impacting. The people functioning, functioning, and and ADHD symptoms. However, we first we have to to try to to figure out what we, what can we do based on foods. And when we when we have a um, an eating disorder, I do think that nutrition should should work together with with psychology. And first, do try to to figure out that those those. Those issues, and then to use supplements when when we see that it's really impacting people's functioning. And so, I do work with children, and supplements are really not our first approach.
0: Well, with, with children is different because you can have yeah. parents that that contribute to this, but I think when when you're an adult, In adults, uh, it's a lot harder because you're the one responsible for your own food, and uh, and and so suddenly, suddenly you know. You know it, this is something that happened to me a lot of times. You know, you go to the doctor and they say you should have uh, more intake of this in that food, and it's just not going to happen because I'm going to forget. I'm not going to be able to plan, and it's just going to be one of those things where I say, oh, I should do it, and then I feel guilty about it, and then never do it anyway. Um, so it was more in those cases where I said, wouldn't supplementation for adults that are in those cases might be just more useful right away instead of going through the th- through the guilt phase. And not being able to do it anyway. Okay. Even if a nutritionist told me you have to buy this, this, and that, then I am the one who has to go to the supermarket. Yeah. I have sure. to the one who uh, has to do the cooking. And uh, some days I manage, but most days I don't. And uh, this is also why uh, I I don't really connect with the idea that there is you know an easy option and uh, a better option, because it's more like there is a possible option and a very improbable one. So this is, you know, more more how I view it. So uh, I I agree that, you know, of course, interventions should be nutrition-based and so on. This is the the optimal case. But in practical cases where, you know, you have to deal with life and with work and uh, just with everyday occurrences of stuff, then how can you manage to adapt your nutrition in a in a healthy way but also in a way that doesn't require so much energy that you just sacrifice everything else
1: yeah of course uh, and nutrition should be enjoyable and should not be another burden into your life but um when 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 we when we okay so i'm not saying anything (laughs) no 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 go on no 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 uh Just, I don't know how to to explain
0: that. I mean, you you know, these are hard questions. I mean, there's a very big difference between the lived experience of the patient and and what you study and you see in papers. Uh, And this is also why I'm doing these conversations, because there's really an enormous difference sometimes between the two things, because what you observe from an outside perspective in what you live from the inside perspective are just two entirely different sure. things. And so sometimes some interventions that would be optimal uh, in theory on paper are just not going to happen in practice because life happens. Um, and so this was kind of my question, like considering that now we have you know, the two sides, how do we manage to make them work together? Yeah, yeah
1: I do agree with you. And as 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 you know my 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 experience is with children and i i do not work with adults with a d h d of course and maybe that's that's different yeah and then, because then
0: you the parents yeah, can can handle yeah, that
1: exactly but um let's just say to assess individually i i do not want to say that supplements can be used for all people with
0: yeah, ADHD. yeah yeah because sometimes they just also won't work
1: yeah uh, we have a lot of issues with supplements the bioavailability uh, we do well with food supplements we we do not have the control as with um with with other drugs um and so i I'm a bit concerned with the yeah. with saying that supplements can be. Obviously, they are an option, but just to be cautious with the, that option.
0: Yeah, there has been a study that showed that um, supplements, uh, w- when you analyze what's inside them, actually oftentimes is not what's advertised outside of the box, and sometimes they miss a lot of the of the nutrients that should be in there. But in then in the end, they aren't uh, because, yeah. as you said, there's a lot less control. So you're also taking a risk by taking something that is not controlled uh, as exactly. medication is
1: and and also uh there there's some some things that shouldn't be there mm. and are in the supplements we we also need to be aware of that
0: yeah that's um, that's really not cool <laughs> yeah. um but uh, out of curiosity, not do you have an example about that
1: not not a, a particular example but right. i I know that in sports with the the <laughs> with the problem of um how do we say Use, like use of pr- substance to improve your performance. Yeah,
0: the metabolic yeah. enhancers.
1: Yeah, we, we have an issue with that because the, the companies that are doing those supplements do not sign for th- what it's, what's inside the supplement.
0: Yeah, so it's, there's no quality control whatsoever and you could be buying anything.
1: Yeah we, yeah, we do not know.
0: Oh my God, this is horrifying. All right. Um. Right, um so finally... finally after, you know, all of, all of this conversation and all of this knowledge and all of this amazing thing, I have, you know, three remaining questions. Uh, the first one is, I, I think I asked it a bit in the beginning, but after this conversation, I feel it's better to have it here. How much can someone who uh, works on their nutrition expect to get better with their ADHD?
1: Okay, to be real... We cannot see a major improvement in ADHD when we compare with uh, pharmace- ph- pharma- pharma-
0: yeah, pharmaceuticals.
1: pharmaceuticals. Um, obviously, the first uh, the f- diet cannot compare with, with those effects, and so. But in together, like with the co- coadjuvant treatment, maybe that that's an interesting thing. That can really help.
0: Okay. Uh, but on the other hand, nutrition can also worsen ADHD like way more. So you cannot uh, improve it cannot improve it, it as much, but it can worsen it if you fuck up a lot. Like you eat only processed foods and only sugar and all of that, then you can go in a very, very bad place very quickly on the yeah, other hand, obviously.
1: right? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, we know that uh, that, that diet will is associated with um with more symptoms with more severity of symptoms and yeah but just not a specific nutrient cannot yeah. Uh, yeah. be associated with specific symptoms
0: okay yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense um so the, the the summary of this is that if you have very very bad nutrition it probably will worsen your ADHD but if you have very very good one it will not cure you
1: obviously exactly the, the word cure cannot exist in I know this I know but I, I
0: you know I need to <laughs> say it explicitly because a lot of people you know there's a lot of social media misinformation a lot of people believe that by changing your nutrition you can cure completely your ADHD which obviously is not the case. Um, something that I've uh, that, that I'm saying a lot is that usually genetics you know they they determine whether you have ADHD or not and then the environment which includes nutrition and exercise they determine how much your ADHD impacts your life.
1: Obviously we, we, this is, and I think it's the wonderful thing about ADHD. We have so many different aspects. We have so many different factors that can impact ADHD. And so nutrition is only a small part of
0: it. Yep. And so it cannot be a miracle thing, uh, just like all things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the the second question is what advice would you give to someone with ADHD trying to get better through nutrition what is you know something that is let's say easy to do and some easy interventions that can be done and can be accessible.
1: Well obviously if you do not have a nutritionist in your team maybe visit a nutritionist and with experience in the ADHD people uh and and to to explain to her what are your main issues what are your main concerns and to individually assess how can we better those 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 issues and how can we try to impo- improve your better health and consequently your ADHD all
0: right so the 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 easiest advice would be you know to go sick, um, help to someone who can Tailor, tailor a diet, a diet specifically diet. to you so have blood exactly. tests and all of that
1: exactly in nutrition is really difficult to say uh, one thing that can help all people and there's so many different uh issues with ADHD there's so many different there's so- yeah what helps so-
0: one person might not help another person
1: exactly exactly and so my advice is to, to seek um
0: a specialized- tailored, tailored tailored help yeah,
1: yeah exactly
0: um perfect. And uh finally I think that was it actually. <laughs> I think I just had the two questions. Oh yeah, no, actually I had a third question. Um okay. What is the advice that you would give to someone with ADHD and is trying to get better with um eating disorders? And uh, with you know with binge eating with those kind of addictive behaviors and with you know this kind of emotional dysregulation, what 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 can be done there?
1: First to visit uh, a psychologist and a nutritionist, a nutritionist that work together, and to because eating disorders have so much more that's only th- what what we see. There's so much more behind it, and so a, a psychologist can really help you and then we can we can solve some nutritional problems but first uh, just to to address those issues
0: exactly so so uh, for people that have issues with uh, with food and with eating disorders it would be go uh, you know solving the eating disorders first and then have a food intervention because otherwise exactly. having the food intervention with an eating disorders might just aggravate yeah, if yeah. I just aggravate the eating disorder, it will not work. Will you'll, you will backfire and so on. So it's, it's, yeah, as you said, very important to solve the eating disorder first. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, you know, for being here and for answering all these questions. I've been a pain in the neck. I know this because I ask, you know, harsh questions. Um, but it's been really an amazing thing. I've learned a lot personally, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this will learn a lot as well. Uh, so would you like to be, you know, if there are people that have further questions, would you like to be contacted? Uh, if so, where can they contact you or your team?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, myself and my team are open to all your questions and we can answer them. And I I will, I can give you my email. Um... Yeah. And I, I, I will
0: write it down um, in, the, uh, in the description of the podcast and of the video on YouTube, so you can email Sofia Pinto there yeah, and, sure. uh, and her and team, team at the yeah. University of Porto for ADHD nutrition. Do you plan on doing experiments with adults as well or online surveys or these kind of things as well? Because maybe that could be interesting
1: Yeah, if uh, there are some
0: people listening. Right.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a possibility. Um, we are currently working on children, but we are open to, to other opportunities. And uh, if we can help ADHD, also adults, it's very, there are not a lot of studies in adults. And so it's a possibility. And if, if there's someone who would like to work with us, uh, just get in touch.
0: All right. Amazing. I will put that uh, in the email to get in touch with you and your team. And uh, thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you. Uh it's it was great talking to you. Thanks. Thank you.